Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, taking an in-depth look at the book of 1 Peter. The first letter of Peter was written to Christ followers who were scattered throughout the known world. They were learning to live out their faith in a whole new world. Peter doesn't want them to be surprised by suffering and persecution. He wants them to see those things as an opportunity to live out their faith. As we study this book together, we'll learn that no matter what happens, we have a God who cares for us, and we have the hope that we will one day be with Him. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. We want to welcome you to Valley Brook here on our campus in Granby and also to our online campus. We're glad you're here. Pastor Mark Deaver has said this, almost any government is better than no government. Now, some people would say that statement is counterintuitive, but he goes on and he says, consider what happens when a tyrannical regime is deposed and there is no clear authority to take its place. That is, at least in part, what seems to have occurred when the United States, the United Kingdom, and other allies invaded Iraq in 2003, and they deposed Saddam Hussein. The troops of the allied nations were met with little resistance and quickly gained control of Iraq. However, the rapid fall of Saddam's Ba'athist government left a power vacuum. That led to widespread sectarian violence between the two competing Muslim sects, the Shias and the Sunnis. Now, while a democratically elected government was formed in 2006, the sectarian violence continued. Some good and some bad things happened in the ensuing years, but in 2014, the Islamic State in Iraq and ISIS launched their own attack in northern Iraq, and they declared an Islamic caliphate. And to this day, ISIS continues to wreak havoc throughout that region. So back to that opening statement. Almost any government is better than no government. We need to understand as followers of Jesus Christ that government is a gift of God's grace, that a a lack of human authority combined with the propensity of humans to sin is never a recipe for peace and prosperity. Now, to be completely candid, speaking on this topic as we're going through the letter of 1 Peter in some ways is a little intimidating because of where we find ourselves in the world and in the country. You know, the reality is that we have never been more polarized than we are. But here is my confidence. My confidence is that I'm speaking to you today from God's Word. And God and His Word are superior to any human thoughts, to any human leaders. And so we have to remind us of that as we look at God's word. So let me read this entire text from 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether the emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. 
So let's walk through this, this uh, whole section about uh, submission to authority. Let's, let's first talk about the extent of, of submission. So let me go back to verses 13 and 14. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. So according to God's word, we're supposed to submit to every human authority. Now, that's not a new idea in the New Testament. In fact, it's a common exhortation that we see in other parts of the New Testament, particularly the book of Romans. There's a whole chapter, chapter 13, and also in the book of Titus. Notice, too, though, that God sends or appoints authorities in the world to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. I want you to see that, that Peter is not suggesting that we submit. He's actually commanding submission. And this submission is far-reaching to all human authorities. Now, this is where it's, it's going to push some of us out of our comfort zone. Peter's not giving any exceptions. Peter's command is comprehensive. It doesn't matter if those governing authorities are good or bad. It doesn't matter if you elected them or not. It doesn't matter if you agree with them or not. Followers of Christ are to submit to governing authorities and those who are authorized to speak on their behalf. And here's the thing. God is never surprised by a leader's rise to power. But let me add this. If the authority is commanding you to do something that is sinful or that is contrary to God's word, that's the only exception to having to submit to those authorities. Now, hang on to that thought. I'll come back to that a little bit more in detail. Let me remind us, God is sovereign. God is sovereign and, and nothing happens on this earth that God is not aware of. And that God does not allow. He gives us peace of mind to follow him. He gives us peace of mind to understand that whatever is going on in the world, whatever is going on in our little section of the world, God is aware of it. And God is in control. Now, as a follower of Christ... That gives me peace of mind, honestly, every time that there's an election, because regardless of who wins, God is still in charge and God is still sovereign in the world. As Christians, we have to remember that it's far easier for us to embrace this idea, living in a democracy in the year 2021, than it was in the time when Peter was inspired to write this letter. That was in the first century in the Roman Empire. And in the Roman Empire, there were no Bill of Rights like we've become accustomed to in this country. So we have to understand that. Now, as an aside, let me just point this out. I should note that if you were a Roman citizen by birth, you actually had some rights. If you're familiar with the life of the Apostle Paul, he was born a Roman citizen. And on several occasions, he used the privilege of his Roman citizenship as an advantage. Once to escape being flogged, and then a second time when he was arrested and he was going to be punished, he actually used his Roman citizenship to appeal to be tried by the emperor himself. But let me go back to that idea that uh, we have to submit. 
For most people in that first century, there were very little rights. And one's relationship with the authorities could be very, very perilous. And still, it's in that context that God inspired Peter to write that followers of Jesus must submit to all authorities. As I said earlier, it's a comprehensive command. So let's talk about the manner of this submission. We're going to go on to verses 15 and 16. It says, For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. So here we really get to understand the, the manner of our submission. Peter reminds his readers that we're supposed to live as free. So here we really get to understand the, the manner of our submission. Peter reminds his readers that we're supposed to live as free people because Christ is our king in heaven and, and heaven is our country. We are not under the ultimate authority of the rulers of any part of this world. We're not enslaved to them. We don't need to be scared of them. But we are not to use our freedom, as he says, to cover up evil. He actually says, we're supposed to live in this world as slaves of God. Having been set free by Christ, then we freely choose to follow and obey the governing authorities voluntarily coming under the authority of this for the Lord's sake, it says. We submit by being good citizens. Freedom in Christ is not a freedom for us to sin. Neither is freedom in Christ a freedom from responsibility. And our responsibility to governing authorities is not merely to do no harm. Our responsibility as followers of Jesus Christ is actually to do good. So, if our responsibility is actually to do good, what is the good that we're supposed to do? Further on in, the, in this letter, Peter will actually talk about several other places where we're supposed to do good. But, but one scholar has written this, and I think this is important for us to understand. He writes, doing good describes a general, generous posture toward others that shows itself in how we act toward them. In other words, in any given situation, we are to seek the welfare of others. As God instructed the exiles in Babylon in Jeremiah's day, we're to seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you in exile, he said. And pray to the Lord on its behalf for its welfare. And when we do that, we're actually not praying just for the welfare of the city or for the place that we live. We're actually praying for our own welfare. Now, if you want a, a reference for who uh, that was written to and specifically lived out for, just think of the book of Daniel, where you have Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who all understood as exiles taken out of their country and taken as captives, where they understood that God was calling them to live for the welfare of the country that they had been taken into against their will. And so they did. And they did so in a way that honored God. So if the manner of our submission is by doing good, what does that look like? Well, 
Being a follower of Christ means we should know that our real home is in heaven, and thus we are citizens of heaven, but that doesn't take away our responsibility from the authorities we live under. So one of the simple ways that we do good in this world Honestly, is we pay taxes. And just to reinforce this, in the Gospel of Matthew, if you actually go and look, you'll discover that Jesus himself said that we should pay taxes. And on one occasion, he actually pays taxes. Later on, the Apostle Paul will bring this up again. As a way to live under the authority in which we live in, we actually do good by paying taxes. But, but more so, there, there are other ways that we can do this. This is, is for us to understand how we can work for the welfare of our community and do good things. So what can you do? You can take a role in your community. You can take a, a role in a service organization, obviously in the body of Christ in the church, but also in a, in a secular organization. You can actually uh, serve in the government as a hired official or an elected official. You can also advocate for policies that do godly things. And you can address issues in the community or in our nation that are problematic. We're supposed to because we're supposed to live under those authorities by submitting to God for the welfare of the community. We are free to speak up for good policies and we are free to speak up against bad policies. And obviously, we are free to vote our conscience in elections. But as students of God's word, let's always remind ourselves that no candidate and no government is going to have the ability to create and establish God's kingdom here on earth. Only Jesus can do that. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And one day he will come again to establish his rule here on earth. So what does it mean for us to live as a slave of God? Or, or some translations say servants. It can be translated either one, but, but the word is doulos in the Greek. And, and the most accurate translation is slave. So what does it mean for us to be a slave of God? Well, first, it means when we submit to human authorities, we're actually submitting to God. But what if our submitting to human authorities has a conflict with submitting to God. Well, first and foremost, as Peter says, we're God's slaves and we owe our obedience to God. So there may come a time when we have to obey God rather than the human authorities. You may remember in the book of Acts, the apostle Paul experienced this and he and the apostles actually knew this firsthand. In the book of Acts, we see them ordered by the authorities in Jerusalem. They've been detained and they are ordered to never speak or teach in the name of Jesus again. But they recognized that that went against what Jesus had told them. And so they continued to teach and speak in the name of Jesus. And so they were detained again. And again, they were told that they should not speak or teach in the name of Jesus. And in Scripture, it feels like they all respond in unison it says that the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. And interestingly, as a result, they were not jailed, they were flogged, and they were sent on their way. And this is so important. We see the attitude of the apostles. It says in Scripture that after they were punished, 
they rejoiced. Why? Because they realized that they had been counted worthy enough to suffer for the name of Jesus. That's the attitude of a slave of God. To understand that we are ultimately accountable to God, that we're ultimately obedient to God. So we submit to God and to his word. And when we experience punishment from human authorities because of being faithful to God, we should rejoice. Maybe you need some uh, modern day examples of people who obeyed the government, excuse me, who disobeyed the government to follow God. I can think of a few. Corey Tim Boom. If you know the story of Corey Tim Boom and her family, they disobeyed the Nazi authorities and they hid Jews in their home and helped them escape the Holocaust during World War II. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his followers disobeyed the civil authorities who wanted to prevent them from assembling and marching peacefully and they disobeyed that to protest racism and discrimination. So listen, if there's ever a conflict between human authority and heavenly authority, we must choose to obey God over humans. But we remember overarching all of this that our submission to authorities is what God calls us to do. The manner of our submission is that we are obedient slaves to God first and foremost. So let me just sort of coalesce on the reason for our submission. It goes back to verse 13. It says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. Our submission to the authorities is something we choose to do because of our faith in and our relationship with Jesus. There's also a converse to this. If we rebel against the authorities, unless it's to honor God, we're rebelling against God. You see, we're under God's authority. And God has allowed the human authorities to be put in their place, and we are to respect and obey them for the Lord's sake. And in doing so, we're following the will of God. When we do good by submitting to authority, Peter says we silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. As we obey God by submitting to the authorities, people may criticize us, they may malign us, but we need to let our lives live silently so that we don't have to use words to argue with them. It's important for us to note something here. Peter is instructing Christians to let their lives and their actions do the talking. In other words, you don't have to say anything. He, and he basically tells them that they don't have to use words. They don't have to make comments. They don't have to argue. And this is something actually that comes across throughout the New Testament. The Apostle Paul talks about this on several occasions. He tells us to avoid arguing. Why? Because we know that actions speak louder than words. When we submit our lives to the authorities for the Lord's sake, people will take notice. So practically speaking, we need to think twice or even more before we go after the authorities and complain about them or rant about them with our words or even with our social media posts. We need to make sure that if we need to speak up, it's that if we don't, we're disobeying God. 
And we have to decide if we need to protest and disobey, we need to make sure it's for the Lord's sake and not for our own human satisfaction. That's the manner of our submission. So let's talk about overall our life of submission. Peter concludes this section in Scripture with this verse. He says, show respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. So a life of submission includes these things. First, show proper respect to everyone. Now, that doesn't necessarily shock us so much. But again, think about in in the first century, this was radical because there were so many different societal groups, so many, so much social strata. For Christians, they had this worldview that everyone was created by God in God's image. And so they were all image bearers, regardless of whether they believed in and followed Jesus, that they were all people of value and worth, just as they understood they were. And so they understood that. And so they understood that they were supposed to show respect to everyone, regardless of social class, regardless of economics, regardless if they were slaves or free. They realized that everyone was due respect. Secondly, he says, love the family of believers. You know, there was and there still should be a special bond for all those who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Why? Because we understand that we have been loved and called by God, and we've been called to share that love. And obviously, we need to share it immediately with those who have come to discover what we have. Remember that Jesus actually said the calling card of Christians was that they would love one another, that that needs to be our calling card. It's a defining attribute. The third thing that Peter says in this section is fear God. Now, I know that we have sometimes struggle with that. It's not about being afraid of God. It's about respecting God, respecting God's authority, respecting God's word and his commands and living a life of obedience to God. And then just as he started this section, Peter ends this section by saying, honor the emperor. When it comes to the authority of the emperor, he's saying that we obey the authorities. But we're we're not in awe of them. We just obey them because we're in awe of God. And Peter says to his readers that even the emperor who stood at the head of the government and was increasingly becoming opposed to the church, he was saying even the emperor needs to be honored as one who was made in God's image and as an authority that God has placed over humanity. This begins to even be tested very soon after Peter wrote this because Emperor Nero came into power. And we know that he became the emperor who was notorious for persecuting the church and making sure that Christians were punished, even put to death. So think about this. If these Christians should and could speak about and treat the emperor with respect, then there should not be any excuse for us doing that same thing for the authorities that we recognize God has placed over us in our lives. 
Let me wrap up this, this idea about submission and how we're supposed to submit to it with an illustration. Some of you are going to love this and some are you going to hate this because it's, it comes from the, the history of the New England Patriots. And I know some of you love them and some of you hate them. Uh, and so you probably remember in the 2018 Super Bowl that uh, if you love them, your favorite team lost. And if you hate them, you were excited to see them lose to the Philadelphia Eagles. It was one game that everybody expected them to, walk, to win. So let me just sort of share the backstory, if you don't know it. In that 2017 season, leading up to the 2018 Super Bowl, the, the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, Carson Wentz, was injured. He was out for the rest of the season. They brought in the backup, untested quarterback, Nick Foles. And he led the Eagles all the way to the Super Bowl. But the Eagles were not expected to win, particularly with a backup quarterback. But to everybody's amazement, they beat the Patriots. The next season, though, Carson Wentz was healthy and he was put back in as the starting quarterback, even though Nick Foles had led them to a Super Bowl victory. He was again relegated to being the backup quarterback and sitting on the bench. Many people were surprised at how well Nick Foles took the demotion and how he submitted to the authority over him, the coach. But if you didn't know this, Nick Foles is a follower of Jesus. And this is the way he explained this in a book that he wrote after that season. He said, what some people saw as a rags to riches sports story, I see as part of God's divine plan. I've said all along that my desire to play for God's glory is not mine. It's what I'm called to do. And I plan to do it to the best of my ability. My unique path from backup quarterback to Super Bowl most valuable player and then to backup quarterback again is a powerful message to share with people. And God's given me the ideal platform to do that. To cheerfully return to a backup role after reaching the pinnacle of the sport's contradicts everything the world tells us about success, fame, money, and self-worth. He says, to me, it's a tangible reminder that we are called to humility and to a life of service. Some people might think I deserve a better deal, but it's not about what I deserve. Everything I have is a gift from God, and I'm thankful for all of it. I am where I am now because of God's grace, and I'll continue to follow wherever he leads. What an amazing testimony of submission. You know, as a follower of Christ, he understood that all he does is for God's glory. And if his coach wants him to return to the backup quarterback position, he would submit to it for the Lord's sake. So as we live in this world that we live in, we have to ask ourselves, how do we handle submission? How do we handle this in this time that we live in, in 2021? How do we work for the glory of God? How do we work to submit to others for the glory of Christ in our lives? I want to challenge you with that. As we close in prayer this morning, I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, this may not make sense, but you've been given an inside view to what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to be a, a slave for God, to submit to God, and to follow his will and the teaching of Scripture. 
Maybe you've come to that place where you say, you know what? I want to become a follower of Jesus. And if that's you, I'm going to give you the opportunity in a prayer right now to pray and ask God to come into your lives and to commit yourself to following Jesus. And then after I pray that prayer, I'm going to invite all of us into a time of prayer. So if you would, wherever you are, online or in the room, just bow your heads and let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Lord, we thank you for this insight for what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be a slave to God. And if there's anybody here that today wants to profess their faith in Jesus, I want to encourage you to take this opportunity and put this prayer in your words. Here's the first phrase. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus died to pay for my sins. And I believe that he rose again from the dead. And now I want to follow him all the days of my life. And so, Lord, as we have tackled this hard topic today, where you have called us to submit to the authorities, and in doing so, we honor you, Lord, help us understand that in a deeper way. Help us live that out in our lives and help us understand that in doing that, we honor you and glorify you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to please stand as we sing our closing song. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.